So if you think about that for a small to medium-sized business coming out of this sort of COVID and heading into recessions, I mean, what are you going to do to survive and grow? And so the, when we came up with Black Pearl, it was around transforming a very common everyday used business tool into something that helps solve that problem. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Spain. Today we are with Nick Lissette, who is the founder and CEO at Black Pearl Group, uh, about to list on the uh, NZX. Welcome along, Nick. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Paul. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, great. Before we jump in uh, further, let's just say thank you to our show partners, uh, Vodafone, Two Degrees, Spark, HP, Gorilla Technology, and Deal. Well, let's let's jump in. There's, uh, there's as always, a bit happening locally that we want to uh, talk about and uh, and some, some things happening on the international stage, uh, but really excited to uh, to come back, sort of really delve into to Black Pearl and uh, you know why you're why you're landing on the uh, the stock exchange in New Zealand, and uh, you know hear a little bit about your technology, what the sort of the the history is, and uh, and where you'll be going next. So um, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, but first up, we've we've seen this week um, media coverage around uh, foodstuffs north North Island, uh, and the use of facial recognition in some of their um, in some of their supermarkets now. These sort of topics catch my my attention um, because there's there's sort of you know there's two quite different angles when you know when we're applying certain you know bits and pieces of technology there's kind of a really good aspect and then there's there's potentially a darker aspect to uh, to to those technologies or a more more worrying aspect to to those technologies if they're not uh, you know used. Used and, and managed sort of appropriately and and transparently. Um, so look, hearing about the this the situation, um, you know that that foodstuffs and really uh, you know I guess you could look at all sorts of retailers are, are dealing with. We've got this you know ram rate situation that's been you know particularly hitting um, dairies and um, you know. Alcohol stores and 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 so on and in my neighbourhood in in the last few days we you know we had somebody uh, you know pass away from from one of these incidents and that's oh that's had a you know big bit of coverage this this last um, last week and so yeah you can kind of you know see why we've got stores that are looking to well how can technology help us out. And there are other sorts of technologies that can, you know, that can help. Someone enters a, a store. We saw some of these um, smoke machine cannons that I think uh, Michael Hill Jewelry sort of put in, so you could basically fill up a, a store very quickly with with smoke. So somebody trying to rip off your store uh, might struggle to actually see what's going on and, and be able to do that. Um, but you know how how expensive that is, and how you know how quick it sort of takes to you know actually be effective. Yeah, there's, there's all sorts of um, you know options. But this week it's very much on this this facial recognition piece. Now, um, you know what do we know? Well, 
um, you know, there have been other retailers in New Zealand that have that have dabbled uh, a little bit with with aspects of facial rec- recognition uh, te- technology, um, and or maybe more so probably uh, in 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 Australia. Um, but you know, there's been elements of it, and of course, it's not always talked about. So things can mm-hmm. kind of happen, you know, happen on the quiet. Uh, and the technology is, is, you know, quite accessible. It's quite easy if, you know, someone taps into some services from, say, a, a, a AWS or a Microsoft or a Google. You, know, you can tap into these sort of AI-type um, capabilities and artificial intelligence can, you know, can do a lot of lifting without necessarily, you know, super complex uh, code and, and, and so on to achieve these things. But... Yeah, there's a there's a flip side to <laughs> to these things and some worrying aspects um, to them. What are your what are your feelings, uh, Nick, on this uh, you know this scenario that we that we find ourselves in? Because there does seem to be quite a bit of you know quite a bit of pushback already. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the important thing is it's talked about. Yeah, technology in itself. Most instances, not good or evil. It's sort of how it's applied, and sometimes it can drift from one to the other. And we were talking a little bit before this about Black Mirror, and um, and I was saying, you know, how that that most of those episodes are about a bit of technology that at the outset you think, oh, that's a really great idea. You know, I can see the applications for that, and then it sort of goes <laughs> a little dark. And so there's always that with all technology, and. So I'm thinking about the supermarket situation. And again, you know, 20 years ago, you'd turn up to a supermarket and you'd queue up with your trolley and, you know, that was always so much like what one I was doing uh, profiling. Then I'd profile everyone in the queues before me and think, mm, no, no, they look like they're not there to talk. They look like they've got the money. They don't have coupons. I'm going here, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> coupons. So, uh, so there was already some profiling going on back then by, by me. So the situation about that is the user experience now is a lot better because they have taken out – you know, a lot of the the checkouts that had operators there and given self service as an option. Yeah, and the other those up, loyalty cards as well, uh, right? There's a, all that. There's a bit of data yeah. stuff going on there as well. There's a bit of that, <laughs> and then and then I guess the other plus side to talk about the the plus side of it is, of course, you know, getting staff sometimes for those those sorts of roles is really challenging. You know, so you've got um, rising labour costs. Um, there's you know, inflation is something that's on top of all our mind and, and the last thing you want to do is lay additional costs onto food, essential mm. items like mm, that. Mm, mm. So there are all the great reasons why that you want to have it because it's going to reduce theft, it's going to create self-checkout to be more seamless and create a better user experience. On the flip side, you don't need too much imagination to see how that could all be used for, you know, for, for nefarious means. And so I think the interesting thing about this and what you bring up is the fact that it becomes a conversation and then the consumer can then make a decision around whether they're okay with that customer experience and the fact that, hey, they might not queue up as much, uh, they're going to pay less, but you're getting profiled, there's someone that might have to bake in a little extra cost because they expect, you know, X percent theft and have that staff, those extra staffing costs but you know that you're not going to have the facial recognition. So 
again, as long as I think there is a degree of transparency that that technology is in place, then the consumer then can make a you know educated decision about you know how they want to how they want to proceed. Yeah, it's an interesting, isn't it? That that you know how much you put in the hands of the consumer. There's a level there where as consumers often we just go for what's easy, right? And so I would look at TikTok and, you know, there was what happened in the US under Trump. TikTok was going to be banned. That was where things had got to at one point. Mm -hmm. Now, that didn't end up proceeding. So we've ended up with a scenario where TikTok's just continued and it's got absolutely massive and there are probably some pretty genuine concerns there around data privacy, around algorithms, whole range of things that don't necessarily get a, a lot of airtime. I but mean, how, how often is your face getting captured yeah. on all these things? That's if you're it, going right? to be using yeah. these sorts of social media apps, if you're going to be using certain technology devices, I mean, again, we, you know... <laughs> The reality is, in this modern world, unless you're going to live in a cave, you're going to be getting your face captured somewhere, and you can mitigate that to a degree on not using things. And sure, you might even use home delivery for your shopping and not want to go into a supermarket. But it is—that's the world, isn't it? You know, and it's and it's prevalent, as you point out. It's not just there, and you know, in, in a shopping situation, it could be right there in the thing that's in the palm of your hand, um, and that you're staring at. You know, maybe tra- from tracking your face everywhere you go, and, yeah. and and all sorts of things, right? Crazy so, well, yeah, yeah. So I think there's there's some really interesting aspects. Consumers won't necessarily make a change unless they can directly feel the pain in the short term, and so the transparency is important whether a consumer will would change their habits because of facial recognition, risks associated with that at their local supermarket versus a longer walk or a longer drive to another another supermarket. So, I, yeah, I, I do think this is a, a really fascinating area. What I would like to uh, like to see is just an increased level of of transparency, and there's probably some pros and, and cons f- for that uh, from the from the perspective of foodstuffs and their stores. But let's, at this point, sort of sit back and watch a little bit. I do like they've talked about that they're flushing the data on a regular basis. Mm. Now, I think five days was mentioned. Well, do you need to keep it five days? Can you, you know, can you flush it? Can you flush it? more regularly than that, I imagine there's a level of, well, if some incident happened, we want to be able to go back and pick that person out, add them to the list of of you know, people to be looked out for because we recognise there was an issue with this person. Mm. But how long do you need to keep that window open? You know, Is it an hour, a day, five days? I'm not, I'm not sure, but I would tend to think... You want to have that as short as as short as possible. That said, as you talk about, well, there's there's footage, photos in lots of different places. There are security cameras all over. We were talking about it. Maybe it was last week. Traffic cameras where there's you know a lot of them now around Auckland as as well as ones for other other police for sure. purposes other than uh, traffic. 
So there's, there's, there's cameras real, right here. That's right. That's right. You're on one now. You're being watched. Uh, high definition uh, footage is being captured and and sold to the highest bidder. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll see what what they can use that biometric data I'd for. To see, I'd like to see AI try and biometric this face, pal. Like, it's a bit of a mess. You know, it's been broken noses over the years. All these things. I, I don't think AI wants anything to do with this face. <laughs> Funny. Um, yeah, so look, I think we've got to keep these conversations going. I'm, I would say I'm not very relaxed about what's going on with foodstuffs. I hope we get more transparency f- from them, but I think we're off, you know, they're, they're off to a uh, you know, positive start with sharing a few details. I would, uh, you know, one of the things that I, Red said that they weren't disclosing what those twenty nine supermarkets mm. were. I hope they're disclosing it at those at those supermarkets at least, even if they don't want to give a list out to the media and you know press release type form or what have you. And uh, yeah, let's let's keep this discussion going. But I'm sure. I'm not super relaxed about it. Put it put it that way. But alongside that is all all the other cameras all the other things where where you know footage is being taken and stored and so I can you know and I totally get it from their perspective that they want to be as safe as possible and there is a direct flow on to the to the consumer right we've got this situation in New Zealand where there's this pressure on the on the you know two main supermarket chains around prices and margins and so you can see from their perspective, a a store that's got to pay for a security person, let's say it's you know two shifts, yeah, you know, three hundred sixty five days a year, and I don't know, maybe they've got fifty thousand you know customers that come through that supermarket on a regular basis over a year. That maybe that adds about four dollars you know per head in terms of actual cost for your groceries over a year for those security folks. So. If the technology can be in place, safe, secure, etc., then that maybe has an impact on your on your grocery bill. Four dollars may not seem like a lot, but when there you know when there's a, that overall uh, overall pressure, and I don't know all the numbers here. I'm just yeah, like, well, making thinking some that up. You know, you see it. Just these things will have a they'll have a flow on in one one direction or another. Right? T- totally will. I mean, you think about the checkout staff as an example. Like, I mean, you have someone scanning everything for you. It's very hard to to game the system. Um, but you know, with the self checkouts, so obviously, that's quite a lot of people that are taken out. You know, taken out of it. The cost of living, you know, is high, and you have to pay. You know. Um, an appropriate wage for people doing that, otherwise they're not going to do the job. So, you know, it's a classic one of these situations we could sit here and argue both sides of the coin toss <laughs> and, uh, and I always, I always, I have great arguments with myself on things like that. Um, yeah, it's frightening. <laughs> um, now, another local news is, is your listing, Black Pearl Group Limited, uh, BPG, uh, so we see there from uh, NZX that they've uh, they, they've put notice up. So uh, it's it's official uh, that Black Pearl Group is is listing uh, this uh, this Friday, dollar uh, twenty five per share uh, with thirty four and three quarter million uh, shares by the looks of it, uh, or there, there, about right. thereabouts. So um, yeah, so. Really exciting. So we'll, we'll we'll come back to that after we've chatted through some of the 
the international happenings. Now, I see um, HP and uh, you know, working to cut their costs by 1.4 billion US dollars. So, you know, these layoffs are just continuing across so many aspects of the, the tech sector. Mm-hmm. And it's, in some ways, it's really hard to get your head around it because certainly here in New Zealand, but it doesn't, it seems to be, you know, no way unique to New Zealand. Most organisations are struggling to find people, but we've had well, Twitter, obviously, has been pretty high profile, Microsoft, Meta. Google, now it's HP. In one direction, it's, oh, it's impossible to find people. In the other direction, people are getting laid off in these, you know, what look like quite big chunks. But I suppose if you sort of, you know, spread that out across the overall you know, population of people employed in the, in the tech world, it's certainly, you know, a smaller percentage. And you would have to imagine most of them are going to land themselves other roles pretty swiftly. You certainly, you certainly hope so. I, I, I don't know about that. I think it, I think it's such an interesting thing you're seeing with these larger companies on the layoffs. And, like, I, I can't give you the exact figures, but if you look back to, say, like 2019, these companies still had more people than they did back then. So they had grown at a huge rate. Yes. And yes. that's the interesting thing is that the shift in the tech industry has it changed from grow at all costs throw everything in there to now people being accountable for their bottom line a lot more than they were beforehand. And so if you think about that at a local level as well um, or even a small company level, it's, it's, it's a scary prospect and, and here's, here's why because the access to capital for, for most private companies is, is being severely throttled. In North America, you know, I've seen some statistics say it's down as much as 90% and people are just not writing follow-on checks. So if you have your whole company engineered and structure engineered for growing at all costs and then suddenly your, your fuel source or money gets cut, it, it gets pretty painful. Now, if you think about it here, there's a flow-on and we take a little longer, but I will tell you that getting capital in New Zealand is super hard. And you'll see that, you know, we've raised $22 million for Black Pearl over, over the time we've been in business. So I know a thing or two about raising capital, yeah. right? I've got, you know, I mean, look at the shareholding register we've got. It's somewhat an all-star cast. So, I, I, you know, I bet myself I'm bound to raise capital. And it is, it is so hard at the moment. And so here's the thing. Fun fact, how many startup SaaS companies get to $1 million ARR? Yeah, no idea. It's, it's a sad number. It's four percent. Yeah. Do you know okay. how many get to ten million ARR? Only four percent of that four percent, right? So it means ninety six percent of SaaS businesses are not going to get to a million dollars ARR. Now, think about developing a SaaS product, right? Unless you're like some ten x coder yourself and can do the whole thing soup to nuts, right? you're probably going to need five or six people dev team and then some marketing money and you know the cost of devs, right? Yes. So you're already broke. And your run rate of a million bucks is... It's uh, not going to get you anywhere. You're already broke before you're out there. You're already broke before you hit... 
you know, gone through 12 months. So here's the thing, all right, when there's access to money and there has been money flushed through economies, mm. you know, on the Western economies because of COVID and pushed in, right? Mm. You mm. can you can, you can can live off that. Mm. But mm. when that's taken away, you know, it, it means that you have to look for other ways to become effective. And I don't think those layoffs are just going to be big tech in, in the States. I think we're going to look at some hard times and – I, you know, and I just don't, and I know that there has been a labour shortage here historically. Mm. You know, for over, mm. I mean, we we felt that as much as anyone. It was mm. really hard to get mm. people, but boy, oh boy, I think it's going to get interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. That recurring revenue metrics actually, yeah, it's quite revealing, isn't it? Those those sort of those sort of numbers. When you're on the wrong side of SAS, it yeah. is the worst model. And when you're on the right side of SAS, it is the best model. And it and it's so funny. Thing, you know, because we, we've done, you know, painful, 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 and then suddenly you wake up and you're getting a heap of money in your account all the time. Oh, this is great because <laughs> it's there and it's sticky. So, yeah, it's hard, but it's, it's so hard to get there and you need, it, you need a lot of capital and you need a lot of support, and if that dries up, then it's going to be hard times for a lot of companies. And there's a, a huge impact depending on ambitions and pace as well, isn't there? So Locker, for instance, Zero, yeah, they, yeah, I think they're you know, well well north of a billion. I can't remember what their, their current um, um, annual recurring revenues are uh, now, but, you know, cu- coming along quite nicely, shall we say. Yep. But their underlying costs, are, you know, are such that uh, – um, you know, you, d- you don't you don't look at the uh, the numbers and go, oh look, they're a wildly profitable company because generally they're uh, they're they're not, you know, and uh, yeah, so there's you know, and that that's a company that's obviously been around for a long time, is incredible New Zealand uh, su- success story, but it's a good example to sort of look to for. Yeah, considering those 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 challenges. Now they they've deliberately decided to, you know, mostly focus on scaling and growing and and you know building building market share, and they've you know they've done very well in yep. in most uh, most markets. The US was a really hard nut for them to crack, but they seem to hold a key position there, even though they're not you know, they're not the leading uh, player in terms of market share. Yeah. But they wouldn't be anywhere near where they've been if they had, you know, probably cut back and you know been conservative around growth. Well, so remarkable. There's, there's a lot to be said about the the wisdom of that approach at the time where they were able to raise the funds and to uh, you know take the the tack they've taken. Well, I mean, incredible testament to their team there, and obviously led by Rod Jury on it. Because at that time, that was an unfathomable business strategy in New Zealand. And I, you know, I could be wrong, but I think they listed pre-revenue with maybe a couple of shekels on the books, right? There wasn't much there. And so they actually educated the whole New Zealand market about that way of doing things. Now, so full full credit to them around that. Now, the other interesting sort of opposing uh, strategy to that, so, you know, obviously our... Uh, my my main business partner, um, 
big shareholder and the chairman of Black Pearl is Tim Crown. Now, Tim and his um, brother Eric are the co-founders of Insight Enterprises. It's a Fortune 500 NASDAQ-listed technology company, mm. and Tim is mm. still chairman. Yep. So a couple of facts around that. Um, I don't. He said they've never not made a profit. Mm. Every mm. year they've mm. made a profit. Mm. So mm. he is all around... Um, you know, bottom line. And so interestingly, you know, if you think about the model that we run and the amount of gross profit that you have, you know, per sale, really if you get to around the $10 million line, which is, you know, that is when you should be throwing off a good, you know, amount of cash and then you can use that for continual investment forward. But Mm -hmm. that's sort of like the magic number. So again, zero Zero had a very ambitious strategy and they've got to where they've gone. They've got amazing market cap and they've done a lot of things. There's other ways of doing it and their way's always, great always. if you have access to cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, into a few other topics. Um, yeah, we've heard about what is purportedly 487 million WhatsApp users' mobile numbers uh, up for sale uh, on a, on a um, hacking forum. Now, there are reports that WhatsApp are sort of, you know, denying the leak, but, we, you know, we're often seeing these sorts of things uh, happen and in, you know, one form or another, and there's all sorts of ways that uh, you know, we see data get out there and, and whether whether it is directly WhatsApp or, or, or not, it's, it's still really worrying as we see, you know, what should be confidential, something that you can entrust to organisations, continuing to to leak out in one form, one form or another. Bit of a worrying situation, but that's uh, that's the nature of it. And look, we we need to keep expecting more. I think of you know organisations that hold our data and continuing to raise the bar on the associated legislation and you know what happens when an information you know key information like mobile numbers and and names uh, ends out in the in the wrong place right yeah well i mean the d- data is the fuel of the fourth industrial revolution right it is it is it is the new oil and I always say, if you don't if you don't believe me, then go and speak to Meta, or go and speak to uh, you know uh, Alphabet and Google, or go and speak to Amazon, right? Because their fuel supply got cut last year by Apple, and now Apple's worth an all, more than all those three companies put together, right? Yeah. So if you have oil, uh, then people, if you have that value, then people are going to try and steal it, and there because there's a lot on the line. It's like uh, there will be blood and uh, that great uh, movie about, you know, the old oil magnet back in the day and he couldn't buy the oil field so he just like drilled (laughs) diagonally and sucked all the guy's oil out, right? But that's the situation that we're in now, right? People are going to want to try and take that data because that data is monetizable and you can make money from it. So it was really... You know, constant fight against good and evil. If you're if you're holding data and trust of customers, you know you have to fight very hard to 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 protect that and continually evaluate your processes, get better all the time, have a degree of transparency if things don't don't go well, and let people know that hey, you know, there's been an error here. This is what we've done about it. Um, 
put it in context and, and go on. So again, what we're talking about before, transparency and accountability in this world. But as long as you, you, you know, companies need to understand that customers are their lifeblood. If you're not looking after your customers, right, you, you should go out of business because they're paying you, they're paying your staff and they, they should be your exist, you know, reason to live. And so you've got to look after their data. (laughs) Yeah, there's a challenge there where the where the where the 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 user is the product as it as it were, and you don't look after their their data. Really, Meta Meta have a lot of a lot of challenges from different directions, and and part of this comes with with scale, right? And yeah, most that have been in New Zealand for a good few years and around the the tech and telecommunications. Um, you know, sector will remember when telecom was the company that we kind of loved to hate, right? Now, they went they went through a rebrand. You know, I think they've they've um, you know positioned themselves well. You know, they've made themselves sort of competitive price wise. They quite a yeah quite a range of of changes in and in, mm. in a range of areas, but they've addressed things of being you know the the most you know or being very expensive compared to other offerings and. You know, maybe not so easy to deal with. I think you know they've they've worked very very hard on that front, but Meta I think is still in a very difficult uh, a difficult position. And whether this particular scenario you know ends up to be something that's their fault and they're uh, uh, you know they're in the wrong, we will we will see. Mm. Um, a couple of other interesting news items. Uh, I want to go on to sort of geopolitical things, but I I see a couple re- regarding the um, the kind of auto. Uh, world and this move to really uh, more tech-enabled businesses and products for the auto sector. So we hear about Mercedes-Benz, uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, introducing a subscription fee to get better acceleration. BBC uh, reporting on that, and then uh, Jaguar Land Rover apparently in a in a situation where they're needing to reduce some of their factory output in the UK because of chip shortages. Ooh. So there's there's you know some interesting aspects as uh, you know the threads of technology become more and more dominant and key to this the auto industry. And so you know, you've got your Tesla at, at one area where yeah, they they've still in that very much that startup mentality. They seem to be able to move quickly. If they can't get a chip, they seem to be able to you know rejig things, code, put in another chip to do the job. In some cases, uh, yeah, very sort of yeah fast and, and and agile. That probably brings with it a range of risks and challenges that aren't aren't normal for an industry that's that's so mm-hmm. safety focused. But then their their kind of auto updates have have helped them out. Um, the Mercedes-Benz one with wanting to charge a, a monthly fee for acceleration, I think, is an interesting one because we've seen this on on other aspects. I, th- I think uh, one of the auto, maybe it was you know, BMW was in the in the news a little while ago for for it was an acceleration. It might have been um, uh, having your your steering wheel heated or the the maybe some of the seats heated and so on. And to a degree, we've seen Tesla go down this track where you might pay a fee, but usually it's a one-off fee to un- unlock things. They have a monthly fee on their their 
FSD feature, which although it stands for full self drive, certainly doesn't doesn't deliver it by any stretch. Oh, I've got a Tesla. <laughs> if you, uh, I tell you what, there's nothing more frightening than going onto that self drive mode. Um, roller coasters are nothing compared to having that thing trying to steer through New Zealand roads for you. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm lucky to be here today. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm I'm looking forward to the the FSD beta coming to New Zealand, but I, I you know I don't know whether it'll actually be anywhere near safe, but we 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 will see. So and it, yeah, um, um, some probably some similar experiences to you, but I'm uh, yeah I've I've stayed safe using it so far, but we'll you going we'll, okay? We'll, we'll good, see good. we'll see how it plays out. Now on the geopolitical um, front, there seems to be a lot of a lot of sort of activity here. Um, Sort of three things that caught my attention: um, reports from the UK side and the US side around uh, bans in terms of selling and usage of uh, of Chinese uh, tech. Uh, we had Huawei and ZTE mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, also seen uh, mention uh, from some of the uh, the big uh, security camera uh, companies: Hikvision, Dahua. Uh, you know, these these are you know really big companies that have that have been the you know the prominent uh, go tos in you know, probably in most countries around the world, and they've delivered that sort of balance of capability, you know, versus you know, price, and you know it's been a it's seemed to have been quite well balanced, and so you know their products have been uh, have been very very uh, successful. Yet we're seeing. Uh, we're seeing a yeah a whole lot of uh, pushback on that. Um, also on the geopolitical front, uh, Yandex, which is often sort of referred to as as the Russian um, Google, they seem to be in a in a challenging position at the moment, and so you know they are now trying to work out what is what does their business look like in the future as as a big. You know, tech giant, you know, the main search engine in Russia, uh, but they're across so many other areas of, mm. you know, gaming, uh, autonomous driving and uh, many, many others. So there's a lot of intellectual property there and uh, it seems like that they're trying to work out how do they how do they break up with Russia, uh, you know, effectively in terms of slicing things up. So what has to stay in, in Russia, you know, becomes one entity, you know, anything else, uh, you know, potentially uh, stays as a, you know, as a as a separate entity. I guess there's rebranding, reorganisation, uh, a fair bit of of challenging times uh, ahead for them. And then, you know, those those uh, I think that Nether they moved their their headquarters to uh, to Netherlands some some years ago. Uh, but there'll be there'll be all sorts of challenges. Access to technology in Russia is becoming very very hard. Mm-hmm. We already know you know, a lot of uh, uh, you know, key people within the the tech sector have exited the the country. So uh, yeah, very very challenging time uh, for for an organisation like this. And I, I'm sure, sure some would say, well, you know, rightly rightly so. Uh, you know. I don't know enough about the, uh, you know, all the ins and outs in terms of ownership and and those other aspects. Whether, you know, it's fair to uh, lump all the the blame in when you can you can probably point a fair chunk of it back to um, back to Putin in terms of you know what's what's been going on and 
in recent times, right? Mm. Um, and then the other thing in the mix was uh, there's been been some uh, stories around uh, US entities like the Army uh, Center for Disease Control using Russian software that have been disguised as American software. So, oh, we're using yeah, this is a local company where you know we're all good and 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 safe in acquisition of this uh, this particular software. But actually, you know, the stuff which have been rolled out for varying uh, needs actually ties back to Russia and maybe has some some issues there. So the world's got a lot more complex, hasn't it, as as the, the Russia-Ukraine uh, you know, situation has, has worn on. Mm. And we look at Russia, we look at China, other countries, the lines seem to be getting more clearly uh, drawn and there's a lot more separation. It's quite hard to get your head around what yeah. this whole picture is going to look like. You know, what is... And and China, have, you know, have, we've heard reports out of China around their progress on on chip development and so on. Uh, US are trying to make that very hard, but uh, yeah, we we kind of potentially going to be you know slicing and dicing up um, the world into I don't know. It, it seems very Cold War like in in many ways, but probably a lot more complex. Very, te- it's, a, it's a super tense situation. I'd point out that we've got Ukrainian team members in Black Pearl, and uh, you know, so my sympathy for you know what's happening in Russia is beyond minimal um, on that side of things. When you've got teammates getting bombed, uh, you know, it's bloody horrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can, you know, so any pressure that goes on making, you know, the life more uncomfortable in Russia to bring that whole conflict to, you know, a, a peaceful <laughs> a conclusion, um, I'm all for, mm-hmm. from my point of view. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. the thing between US and China is, is super interesting and, um, you know, and it's a tense situation. I wouldn't want to wait into to that anything. <laughs> well, let, let's um, let's delve into Black Pearl. Uh, really keen to to learn a little bit more around around what you're doing. I guess from from my uh, reading online and so on, Black Pearl Mail Limited's been around for about a, a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you can sort of walk us through a little bit about what that business. You know, has been doing, and then what the new business looks like, and, and what sort of changed in terms of ownership structures and and investment in recent times. Perfect. Yeah. So, I, when I've been speaking about uh, Black Pearl, and we're in the middle of a roadshow at the moment, I always flip between the company and the applications. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got the Black Black Pearl Group as a com- as a company, and it has technology that resides at company level. Uh, which is essentially a, a private platform, uh, which is an array of technology that our applications can can access. Um, and you've got a strategy at that company level as well, which is certainly around, um, it's very uh, focused on acquisitions as we move forward, um, and also about getting you know, more organic growth out of the applications that, that sit within the group. And then you've got the applications. So you've got Black Pill Mail, you've got New Old Stamp, and as we look to acquire 
you know, there'll be a series of other ones. So our, our whole premise is around, um, you know, and it was really interesting. We we're talking about, you know, data so much before and how, you know, it can be good and it can be bad. So here's the thing that I think is small, small to medium sized businesses have never had a harder time than now when it comes to um, getting more revenue. And, you know, you're talking about Meta before, right? And we're, and we're talking about um, Google and we're talking about, you know, Apple kind of cutting the, the, the data flow for them. So, you know, last year, it never, you know, the, the whole algorithms for those pay-to-play platforms changed and became so expensive to acquire customers. So if you think about that for a small to medium-sized business coming out of the sort of COVID and heading into recessions, I mean, what are you going to do to survive and grow? And so the, when we kind of came up with Black Pill, it was around transforming a very common everyday used business tool into something that helps solve that problem, which is revenue. So taking business email in our case, and just for clarity on business email, it's the email that within a company that uh, you and all your team see each and every day to your customers, your potential customers, your vendors, your suppliers, each other, and you'll send it from your phone, your laptop, um, you know, typically by Outlook, Apple, or or or, uh, or Gmail, right? That's your everyday business email. And what we like doing is taking that email and transforming it into a demand generation tool. So something that helps uh, you um, cross-sell and upsell your goods and services, promote your latest offerings, uh, push out your latest referral programs and things. So. It's like a, a digital billboard for your email, and that's our Black Pearl Mail product. That's what we built. Um, it was extensive um, R&D because it has a very strong data backbone for that. And so the thing about digital marketing is the accountability for it. It's great when it works for you, right? It's seeing what's working. And the great thing about Black Pearl is that we give insight back to how people are interfacing with those digital billboards. Right. right. So you can you can put in an email signature that might promote something that's going on in the business. You can mm-hmm. have links in in the email. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty normal normal thing to do, right? Here's a link to our website or you know, here's a, here's some details about a product or a service. Mm-hmm. And so all the emails effectively they get get um you know routed through you yep you're able to then go strip out the links replace them with links that are able to be you know, kind of uh oh, effectively tracked right so you can see whether someone clicks on a on a link yep. and then you forward it on to whatever the original link was but you've got that data and it says hey paul spain just clicked on on the link on yep. nick's email he clicked on the the link around investing or you know around product or what you know whatever and so you're able to collate that whether it's I guess a, a textual link or yep. some you know graphic kind of you I don't know, banner or yeah that's pretty much yep. how, it, how it works yep. and then once you've got that I guess you end up with a pretty big you know big lot of data is that something that you know how do you how do you then you know collate that put that in a way that's actually useful you know, useful and uh, and relevant and yeah what is it? What does it all cost for those that are like, oh, that sounds that sounds very interesting. Well, so you think about use of that data. Firstly, you know we're talking about this, and I think that you've got to be really ethical with data. So you know, for t- 
total clarity. We don't read email. We don't store email or anything like that. What we're really good at is taking information that's already there. It could be at server level on that server handshake and as you kind of an email passes from server to server, could be that uh, that information, you know, about how people are engaging with that and collating that and serving up in meaningful ways. Uh, and so typically, like at a very low-fi level for um, for customers, and again, you know, our customers are small to medium-sized businesses and they, their tool set's pretty limited. So we want to give really simple feedback. So real-time live notifications. Why that's so good is because it helps inform you on your next move. Like the last thing you want to do is start bombarding someone with more emails if they're clearly not interested. Or the other really great use case is what we call back-in-market notifications. So that could have been something that I sent you like two years ago and you go back and relook at it and I think, ah, Paul's back looking at that proposal. Great, that's that's interesting. Or you could be an existing customer and go and reopen the contract in which case you're also probably back in market but for all the wrong reasons. So at a very low-fi level, you've got that. The, the cool thing, and since we are on, you know, a tech podcast, I can um, geek out a little bit about it. Email is a strong indicator on, on a next step. So you can get trend lines of how people might engage with your email and over a period of time, if that changes, it can be indicative of that relationship changing. So I'll give you a, a classic example. If you and I had been in business relationship for a long period of time and I sent you an email and typically, you know, there was an engagement pattern, you responded quite um, quickly within a day or maybe within that day or something like that, and then that starts petering off over time, you know, something's gone wrong. And you might not realise it actually, you know, like most people don't. It's actually once it's too late, you think, oh, that's gone bad. So that kind of the ability of measuring engagement, I think, is a huge potential and to help um, predict churn, predict uh, dissatisfaction with customer service, to see if you've got um, people basically disengaging with you. And that's where we want we see the future of what we're doing. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Um, now, do some businesses have a have a challenge with the fact that for this sort of thing to work? You know, you do have you don't read their emails, but effectively you've got to parse those emails. So they have to they do have to come through, you know, your system, right? Yep. To to a degree. Comes through, you swap bits and pieces out and then pass it on. Um I'm I'm you know, presuming that yeah, you've got a, a model that means you're not holding on to that 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 uh message data. How does that uh, yeah. how does that work? Well, I've got like two really well-built servers in my garage and, and so that's why we're probably... <laughs> oh, I, love, I love it, I love it. It's like, oh, here we go. Um, how of do we go down, we... I just unplug it, <laughs> yeah, plug it in the back. Um, yeah, <sighs> this is the, the thing about it. It's, if you want to do this properly, it's not cheap. Yep, and you get what you pay for in our land, right? Mm. And, um, and that means you have to have great people you have to have great, uh, you have to pay for the best infrastructure, you have to pay for the best architects to architect the way it's done. Like, so we went through a big re-architecting of what, you know, the way that we treated email um, two two years ago. Man, it was all blurring into one long year. Two, it was two years ago. It was done by Mike Gugamus. He's the ex-CIO of Motorola. He's uh, ex-Green Beret. 
He is, you know, like he is ex-CIO of Insight. You know, this is mm. a serious, serious cat when it comes to security and the way things go. Yep. And yep. so if you're not going to invest in that sort of stuff, again, I don't think you have any business with dealing with people's email. And so if yep. you look at our company from the chairman down, you know, Tim Crown, chairman of Insight Enterprises, through to our team within the company and through to our track record, mm. um, that's really... Uh, you know, I guess everyone has to make their own decision on risk versus reward from a benefit point of view. But, you know, the reality is if we're not doing things right by our customers, as I was talking before, then then we don't deserve to be in business. You've got to look after your customers, number one. Yeah, that's uh, certainly an ongoing an ongoing uh, challenge. And so how does that uh, how does that play out with you know, you've gone through acquired uh, new old stamp who have mm-hmm. been doing email signatures as a, you know I guess a, a competing or other offering to your black bill mail for yep. you know for a num- number of number of years. Um, I imagine you know there, there's a you know you go through an acquisition. There's a journey that could actually take quite a period of time, right? So now as you become a listed company, you've got your existing offerings, you've got their offerings. And even that sort of listing, I imagine you go from a perspective, I don't know whether you had any, you know, ISO 27001 or other sort of, you know, cybersecurity certifications previously, but now you're kind of putting your head up for, you know, for attack and attention and and those are the sorts of things that you, you know, probably got to uh, got to focus on if, if you haven't done previously uh, no no we've uh, I can I can see uh, Chris Watson and our security uh, security team and uh, Richard and all that you know they're like damn right you know I mean they're, they're our guys you know they yeah. lead up that team um, so the good thing about new old stamp and black pill is they kind of like there is a little overlap but mostly mm. not so mm, the people mm. that are coming for black pill are really just after a centralized email signature yeah and the great thing about that product is it doesn't need routing yeah yeah yep. so it's a, it doesn't need routing and because of that you don't get all the great data and it doesn't necessarily work to uh, from all devices like black pill but oh, if you, you are new old stamp, new old stamp yep. but if yep. you are you know kind of wanting, yep. Um, just email signatures and you don't or you've got uh, kind of a different security profile, mm. then mm. New Stamp are, is, is just an awesome product. Mm. you mm. got the other people that want to solve that revenue problem, they want to sort of turn their email into a demand generation tool, mm. then that's Black Pearl. Yep. And again, yep. you know, so there's something for everyone there. And, mm. and you talk about the integration, what was super interesting with that New Old Stamp team and our team the assets in both companies are so complementary to each other. So you'll love this. Or I've been talking about this all day and I can see like uh, people just like nodding happily, right? They had they have 1.8 million organic site visits annually and, and we verified over 1 million as like genuine people. Yeah. So can you imagine how much money we would have to spend with, with, with Meta or Alphabet of you know, for the Black Pill Mail product to get that quality and quantity of leads, in fact, probably wouldn't even be possible with all the money. Yeah. So, yeah. so here's the opportunity we have right now is actually applying our budgets and our expertise to help increase that conversion and then immediately, cro- you know, cross-sell the people that want to turn their email into demand generation tools to the Black Pill Mail product, there is a price differential. Black Pill has a five times larger lifetime value 
to, to the black pill male group, the new right, old stem, right. yep. but it provides, a, you know, a whole lot more benefit with the data. So we've kind of like already got those cross-selling motions ready ready to fire, even though we've only, you know, kind of owned them for 30, 30 days, it's already underway. And again, they've got such a, a great team and they're very driven you know, we again, we couldn't have got luckier. So that for us is the exciting part of getting those synergies mm. and our whole acquisition mantra is one and one should equal three. That's not just how Wellingtonians do math. I can <laughs> promise you it's all about making sure that we're never just buying a company for its existing revenue. It's buying it for the forward opportunities that within the group we can extrapolate. Sure. Now, um, with with them being a Ukrainian company, what what have been the the challenges in terms of their workforce, right? Because uh, you know, where do you, where do you work from? It seems like a, a pretty large chunk of the the uh, the population in Ukraine have had to sort of you know move elsewhere and so yep. on. So, how has that sort of you know disrupted and and impacted? The business. Yeah, well, I should point out they're technically they're a US company, but they have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of the, the team members are based there in Lviv, which is right on the border of Poland and, you know, in Ukraine on the border of Poland there. Yep. So, hey, that provides challenges, right? Yeah. You're going to have yeah. power outages. Um, now, not that that, you know, obviously the servers and everything are all, you know, but, offshore and global it doesn't affect that it just when you're trying to communicate with your team members it gets a bit you know you've got to have a degree of tolerance but i will tell you that you've got we could not again hope for better people there and i've had uh pictures sent of them when they're in the corridor of their office building right because they can't be near windows we're literally working off laptops in a, in a closed off corridor because there's been air raid sirens smiling waving you know wow, i mean these wow. these you know what? These are the people you want in your company. Sound Can you imagine resilient. how hard driving they are and how tough and passionate? They're just, you know, ama- so again, amazing people. And I could not speak more highly of their, 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 their heart, you know. And so you, you're going to have challenges buying any company around the world or even companies in New Zealand. And as long as you make sure that the um, – that the the culture is a good fit. And I'm not talking about, you know, like different cultures. I'm talking about do they think uh, about business the same way? Are they got the same? Are they aligned? Mm. You know, and again, you know, I kind of asked why we're listing on the NZX is because we buy, you know, we bought new old stamp very heavily with stock. They're all invested in the success of Black Pearl Group as much as the rest of us are. It's not, you know, cashing a check and running. They've got a couple of years earn out to get yeah, to where they're yeah, going to go. Yeah, and yeah. so do you think they're driven to make this work? They've got even more reason for this to work than us, right? It's, am- it's amazing. So, yeah. Mm, so it's um, challenges, yeah, but I just yeah. I only see the benefits. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's uh, it's it's fascinating. Um, well, I hope, you know, I hope that, that – that you know works out works out well. You know it certainly worries me what's what's going on over there and 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 the impacts and been a, a lot of people who have died. But yeah, we hope that they they're able to stay safe and yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're out they're, of the you know, primary firing line yeah. where they are. But yeah. um, you know, I mean, still it's a hell of a lot of tension to have over here. Mm. And yeah, mm. you know, again, as I said earlier, the 
the quicker that uh, it can be resolved peacefully and quickly, the better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, th- thanks. It's been uh, yeah, it's been fascinating to chat. I see you've got a uh, a technical documentation section on your website, which I like, covering off security, reliability, available availability, and and redundancy. So there's uh, there's a you know. Uh, a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of you know questions that are uh, that are answered there from you know cybersecurity perspective and uh, resiliency and and so on. Uh, so yeah, that's that's pretty pretty important stuff. Um, now you're listing on the NZX under Black Pearl Group. Now mm-hmm. when I was googling, uh, didn't actually see a website kind of come up on that search. Other like BlackPearlMail.com was coming up. The sort of news articles and other things. So, is that something new that's kind of just just going online in terms of the the you know the the parent entity? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we really wanted to start defining um, the group as opposed to the product, and mm, potentially, mm. you know, next year, Black Pearl Mail may need a rebranding just to to make it a little clearer. Check out blackpearl.com. Guess who finally bought blackpearl.com? Oh, okay. Us came up just the other day. We like we, like we just able to negotiate the sale yeah. the other day. It's oh, just well propagating us up and running. So the group website is there. Yeah, and yeah. that talks more around sort of um, you know the the, the stocks and and um, mm. the board and and a lot of the um, share investment information. All that's there. A little bit about our technologies and and of course the news and all that stuff. And then of course Black Pearl Mail is more just specific to that product. New old stamp. We're going to keep you know the branding. They've got a very strong brand and market. And so you know and as we continue to acquire, those will be brands and companies that come within the group. Great. Um, and is there sort of a, a fair bit of sort of data coming together there, uh, you know, at the investor end in terms of breakdown on, you know, revenues and and, and whatnot, sort of how much uh, information is out there at this at this stage? Yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been very uh, a big learning curve for me because as a compliance listing, you can't talk about the future. So I can't talk about any projections on what we're going to do. I can't, you know, so I can only talk about historical things. Right, and, you know, right. historical and, and historical stuff's great. We had 244% revenue growth last year for the Black Pill Mail product. I just saw our September 30 pro forma accounts, right? And so over that last 12-month period from September 30th last year to now, there's been just under 300, just under 300% growth. So, you know, the bigger we're getting, the higher we're growing, which is great. Yeah. What that means for tomorrow, I can't tell you. <laughs> right, right. So what's, what, where are you at in terms of your annual recurring revenue? Yeah, to, 2.8. Yeah. You know, and that's, so that was up from uh, about 1 mil at January this year. So it gives you an idea. And then, and of course, and then in March 2021, we were, we're only at like 250,000 ARR or something around right, that. Right, so. Right. Obviously, the acquisition helps in the in that. Mix yeah, they as were well. one point two mil yeah. worth of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But our organic growth is really, you know, the part that we feel very strongly about within it. Um, yeah. And I think there are some amazing buying opportunities now. And we were talking about earlier, you know, the sort of hard environment that a lot of these tech companies are going to face with lack of access to cash. Yeah, that is our big driver for listing. And, you know, I make the joke that just because we're called Black Pearl, we're not like going around ruthlessly sort of acquiring businesses like angry pirates and stripping out the assets and all that sort of, you know, horrible stuff you think about with M&A. 
we are a a company built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. And so what we think we provide people is a home that they can, if if they are looking for a path to exit over a period of time, but they're still really passionate about their baby and they want to grow it, then we're the people to talk to. You can get skin in the game with stocks and and, and Black Pearl. You get access to our technology um, platform. You get access to the group's marketing um, marketing assets, and we grow better together, right? So it's about actually getting founders that are still wanting to push forward and seeing their product reach the the growth numbers they're after it's just do it within do it within the group and get a path to exit along the way so yeah oh it's going to be fascinating to you know to watch and and see how that how that goes and yeah. you know what other acquisitions that you you have ahead of you've got a few that are kind of you know um not too far off or you can't sort of talk about um, yeah, I've got to think carefully about that. I I mean, I put it this way. We've got a three-stage three, three stage acquisition strategy, and phase one is sort of a mop-up of select first-generation email branding um, and tracking companies. And we stick that off the bat because we understand the code base really well. We understand the market really well. We understand the customers, and there's like supernatural organic growth opportunities by kind of – just taking slightly different snippets of that branding market and sure. joining it together. Okay. As we extend out, it doesn't really make sense to keep buying $1 million businesses over a period of time, believe it or not. Um, and so we look to get more sort of one step over adjacent um, technologies, more on that sort of broader digital communication remit, not specific to email or productivity tools. So there is a big hit list for the, that first wave. Um, and we're working our way through that list, and you know, obviously, we uh, we walk the talk because we're able to actually do the the new old stamp acquisition when we're still private, which is actually you know super difficult compared comparative to having a public company where it's a lot lot sort of easier issuing stock. Yeah. Oh well, uh, exciting times ahead for you. So uh, yeah, best best of luck, Nick. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for uh, for joining us on the NZ Tech Podcast today. I uh, hope you've enjoyed listening in. Um, and of course, a special thanks to our show partners, uh, Vodafone, Two Degrees, Spark, HP, uh, Gorilla Technology and Deal. Uh, and thank you, Nick Lissette, for, uh, for joining us and, uh, you know, being part of the discussions and Thank you so sharing much for having me, Paul. On, it was a blast. Uh, what's happening on the Black Pearl side. So it's been it's my great. most enjoyable uh, thing of the week. It's oh, been a blast. I'd be, I, been, I, was, I actually saw the time because you said we're only on for 45 minutes and I was like, oh, we're running out of time and I was like getting a bit sad about it. I could be here for the next four hours talking <laughs> about tech, man. This is like, the this is a dream. Thank you for having me. Oh, I love it. Excellent. Well, yeah, thanks again for coming in and um, yeah, we'll catch everyone again next week. All right, see ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.